You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 60 of Take A Bow Podcast. I'm your host, Eli Tokash, and it's not only episode 60, but it's also part two of the Ryan Worsing, or really act two, of the Ryan Worsing uh show really uh of the ryan worsing show and uh so excited to finish this last part off with all of you and share his stories from share and hello dolly and chicago and these stories i mean they just continue to get better and better his stories about share are just hilarious and i cannot wait for all of you to listen to it but before we turn it over to that let's turn it over to what what's going on in this industry right now especially with uh all of these exciting things happening and we are getting inches and inches closer to broadway fully reopening um this week the jimmy awards are going to be actually today Tonight at 7.30, it's hosted by Corbin Blue, and it's going to be free on YouTube Live for everyone to stream. So everyone, go check that out. I was so excited because this week I was actually able to talk to a Jimmy Award finalist on the podcast. So uh, that'll be coming out next week, and I'm very excited for you all to listen to that. And it's a great episode. And uh made some new friends so that was always good i love the jimmy awards we talked about how amazing it was and just i figured in this jimmy awards season it would be great to bring on someone whose uh area of expertise could be uh useful for both myself and listeners so very excited the jimmy awards are incredible i think they're more they're one of the most important awards you see new talent uh performing on a broadway stage and uh giving and having an opportunity to be able to perform in front of the top casting directors in the industry and uh just an opportunity of a lifetime so it's definitely worth checking out it's please go support these young artists who are putting themselves out there and uh, entertaining others in this time so it's it's just brilliant um some other exciting news going on uh, ben platt just recently announced that he's going to be releasing a second album Oh my goodness. If this is anything like his first, Sing to Me Instead, I'm not ready. I'm not emotionally prepared. I will never be, but I am also always here for it. And I'm obsessed with his music, and I cannot wait for August 13th, and I'm literally counting down the days. So everyone, August 13th, it's called Riviere, and um, I'm 
just so excited. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I love Ben Platt. I love his voice. I love his music. It's just so beautiful. It's so relatable and uh, very exciting stuff. And as we all like, as we all know, uh, if any of you have listened to these episodes before, I'm a huge, huge advocate and fan of Broadway stars just uh, expanding their audience and their platforms and their uh their selves, I guess, really, um, in going to different aspects of the industry, such as music and uh, movies and TV shows. And speaking of, let's talk about these Emmy nominations, okay? Because there were a lot of Broadway names in this year's Emmy nominations, which is so exciting. And as you all, like I said, I love seeing Broadway being uh, on a pedestal as high as the other aspects of the industry that uh, are held, I guess, a little bit above Broadway, which is not right, and it's not fair. Uh, but you all know how I feel about that. So uh, that being said, let's shout out those people who uh, got nominated, shall we? I mean, obviously, we knew this was going to be a big year with the Disney Plus recording of Hamilton. And so, of course, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Leslie Odom Jr., Debbie Diggs, Jonathan Groth, Anthony Ramos, uh, Philippa Sue, Renee Elise Goldsberry, all kinds of different people literally, of course, got nominated for Hamilton. And then, of course, we have MJ Rodriguez and Billy Porter, who are both nominated in leading roles for a Fox drama series pose. Tony Ward winner Cynthia Revo is also nominated for her amazing performance in Aretha the Aretha Franklin movie. Uh, Randy Rainbow, who is a Broadway uh, kind of personality, was nominated for outstanding short form comedies. So like uh, YouTube and stuff like that, which is very exciting. So Bernadette Peters for her performance in Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Robert Lopez, who writes all those Disney movies. And Kristen Lopez, of course, his wife. Um, and of course, Julie Andrews, Jessica Walter, Titus Burgess. They all uh, earned nominations. And of course, I would be remiss to not mention my dear friend and also Take a Bow podcast uh, previous guest, Bowen Yang also got nominated, and he is the first ever SNL actor to be uh, nominated in the supporting character. So he's not, so he's not technically like one of the main characters, like Kate McKinnon and all that, but um, he's more like in the supporting areas, and uh, he's the first ever uh, actor to be nominated for an Emmy from SNL in that category. So very, very amazing stuff that we see there. Uh, and it's also just like history that, okay, I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, very incredible work. I'm so proud of him and uh, very excited to uh, see if he wins. So everyone stay tuned. And uh, I don't know if, if you guys listen to the interview, go watch it because after... Go listen to it because after you're literally going to be the biggest Bowen Yang fan and go watch, go listen to Las Culturistas and all the things uh, because he deserves it. And he's like always working and this recognition for him is just so major and I could not be happier for him. Um, let's talk about some other things that's happening. So the Karate Kid musical is going to get a pre-Broadway tryout in the spring of 2022. So right now they've been like, like this production has been in the works for like a couple years and have been slowly coming and uh now it's finally going to get it shot in a 2022 tryout which is very exciting so that's happening next spring and then uh harry potter and the cursed child moved up their reopening date 
to November 12th. So that's very exciting because it was it was actually a couple months later. And uh, so now that they moved it up, hopefully that means they will also be moving up their um, – because you know how they're opening like just the first part. So hopefully that uh, impacts that as well. And they'll be able to show both parts at uh, the same time sooner or all at the same. I, I don't know. Um, either sooner or um, right when it opens. So uh, I'll keep you all. Oh, so I'll keep you all updated if anything changes. But uh, I, I don't know. The show is just supposed to be seen in two parts. So I hope it works out that way. And I hope that uh, people are able to see both parts and not just the first um that's it for the broadway news but i do want to mention one more thing that actually is very exciting from the take a bow side of things just this week we uh introduced the lgbtqia plus pride merch and i'm very excited about it and i created it myself so i'm very proud of it um please go check it out if you have not already it's on our instagram so you may have seen pictures or you can go to our website takeaboutpod.com and you can go see it there or even order some and um right now there's only t-shirts and hoodies but i'm going to be adding a lot more to that collection and i'm also going to be start doing um some other pride um some other pride colors as well so not only are we going to be doing the lgbtqia plus community and the bisexual community and all of those other communities uh based on your likes and interests and uh sexuality but we will also be doing uh mental health pride and um disabled pride month and all of these different things we're going to be incorporating all of those in black lives matter of course um and so we're i'm trying my best and i'm gonna move as quickly as possible but stay tuned for all of that because there's going to be a lot of exciting things happening and hopefully we're going to get some new designs as well super soon so i'll keep you all posted but for now that's what we have and i hope that you all enjoy them i'm glad to see that we've already got a few orders so this is very exciting and uh I'm actually, and I actually got a lot of interest from previous guests. So um, that's great. And I'm going to be sending out to them as well. Also, major note about the LGBTQIA plus merch. Uh, all of the proceeds are going to be going straight to the Trevor Project. So uh, any if you purchase a hoodie, a t-shirt, whatever, and it's the LGBTQIA plus collection, that is going to be going straight to the Trevor Project. And uh, I'll make sure... I could put it in your name. I could put it in Take a Bow's name. I could do it whatever way that you would like. Um, you can tell me on the website when you make the purchase uh, if you would like to put it in your name or not. Um, but so if you do donate, it's basically donating to the Trevor Project while also receiving a gift uh, courtesy of Take a Bow. So um, please, please consider doing it. And uh, I'm very excited to be helping out and teaming up with the Trevor Project. That being said, let's turn it over to the Drama Dictionary, and then we'll turn it over to Ryan, everyone. I am so sorry. This week's Drama Dictionary is going to be featuring Ryan Worsing, and he's going to be talking to us about the gypsy robe, and he does that in the interview. So really, our Drama Dictionary is going to be this interview. So with that being said, Ryan Worsing, curtain up.
Ryan, do you need to go? I know we've been doing it no. for an hour, but like, Not okay, good. I good. don't have anything to do. <laughs> Great, because this is way too enjoyable. Um, I there's so many things to talk about with you. Okay, I we can move on from Finding Neverland. I guess. I guess. Whatever. I guess. Uh, whatever. There's still <laughs> plenty we could talk about, but it, it was. Oh my it was such a special place. Um, yes. Even with it, even with all this hindsight, it was such a special place. There was something about coming into that stage door where it was like you really felt like you were just in a new world. Like, honestly, it just like, it's cheesy, but like there, there was a certain smell about it. The minute you walked in, it was like a grayish white wall. And like, it was like a light, like, I don't know, like it was just like magical. Like as as though it was like a gray and white wall. Like there was just something about it. I don't know if it was because the show had such elements of magic to it as well, but there really was just, and again, I've said this already, but I, I couldn't put my finger on what about it has made such a lasting special impression on me, but it was, there really was magic in the air every day. Part of it was the story yeah. we were telling and how attached we all, I mean, everybody has some connection to the Peter Pan story. Oh, sure. And I really felt like what we were doing with it was touching people. Yeah. It really, uh, it made a difference, and the cast. It would have been so easy for us to like speak that into existence and scare it away. And mm-hmm. but we were all we all tried to honor it every night. Absolutely. Okay, so hello, Dolly. Come on, you're on stage with Bette Midler. Not a big deal. You already mentioned it. Like yeah, like it was really. nothing. You know, <laughs> like just casual. Um, but what was it like? Okay, honestly, like. Hello Dolly is an iconic show as is, but then to have that cast is just like next level. How what was that every night? I mean, that's crazy. the whole like, the whole experience was next level. I mean, I don't even know where to begin. I almost didn't go to my audition for it because I was just like, this is so otherworldly. What? In no plane of existence do I get to be a part of this experience. Mm. Um and then I was just so so fortunate to to get to be in that room. Right. Um, Hello Dolly, I had done it before. Like I said, I it was my first professional job, but I'd also done it as a kid. Um while I liked Hello Dolly, okay, I'm gonna be very I can say this to you. Um <laughs> Having done a show like Finding Neverland, I booked Hello Dolly in like our last three months at Finding Neverland. And I was very hesitant to leave um, the experience of Finding Neverland and move on to the experience of Hello Dolly because I loved the people at Finding Neverland so much. I didn't think I would have a backstage or dressing room experience nearly as stellar as I'd had at Finding Neverland or you know, I felt like the show, like I've said, was about something, like we were doing something. There was a part of me that was just like, sure. oh, Dolly's not about anything. Right. What are we doing here? And then our very first day of rehearsal, um, we're in the room with Jerry Zachs, who is our director. I have never worked with Jerry before. He's an absolute genius. And he, yes. was telling us, he was telling us about the history of Hello, Dolly. And he was telling us um, about Hello, Dolly's out-of-town tryout um, before it opened in New York, um, they had performed in DC for their out of town tryout just weeks after Kennedy was assassinated. This was a history that I did not know. 
And the country yeah. after JFK's assassination had basically been in mourning. I mean, people were wearing black for weeks on end. Yeah. And here was, here was this little show about choosing life before life passes you by um, that was about to open in Washington, D.C. And Jerry told us that, you know, people had to choose to come into that room and sit down for a show and choose to be happy. And what that experience became for people in the wake of such national tragedy to be in a group of people and to choose life and to choose happiness again. And that's what Hello Dolly was all about. And especially as we were starting rehearsals in January of 2017, that was exactly what the world needed again. We were mm. in this collective state of mourning for the previous mm. two months and people were going to have to choose to enter a room and be happy together again. And it was our wow. responsibility to provide that for him. And that gave me a completely different lens on what our responsibility as actors doing that production became. And now I, I just think the world of that show and as many two dimensional productions as I have seen and been a part of it, that was definitely not one of them. It, exposed a richness to that show um, and the performances in it that I am so grateful that I got to witness and watch every night and develop in the rehearsal rooms. I mean, it was a dream come true to watch Bette Midler create the eating scene. Yeah. I remember when we were staging that scene, I shouldn't admit this, but I'm going to. When we were staging that scene, because I had done the show before, I was like, oh, okay. Okay, let's not get staged in the docket scene. That gets right. to be really long and to have to sit through it eight times a week for a year, however long we're doing it. I would rather not be melting on stage after the polka and Hello Dolly and the waiters gallop every night. If I, if I can be off stage for that scene, that'd be great. Right. I was not off stage for that scene, but it ended up being one of the greatest gifts of the show, getting to watch that do that eating scene every night, which then led into Gavin doing his monologue for it only takes a moment, which usually is like watching paint dry, but to watch him do it, I mean, it was a, a gift. Every yeah. night, every inch of that show I got to experience was a gift the crown jewel of my career for sure. I love that. That's awesome. We were also, we all knew that it was something special. Um, yeah. Even like you said with Finding Neverland, you know, egos were put aside. Yes. Because we knew that none of us were Bette Midler, but right. also it was even bigger than Bette. The, the right. production became even bigger than Bette. That being said, I have never in my whole career seen anyone who is as devoted to their audience as Bette Midler is, which was yes. a great lesson in and of itself. And if she was going to be there every night, we had to be there too. You Performing know, Performing at this level where we were basically crawling out of the stage door at the end of the day. You know, you're not the first person to say that on here. Uh, we had Beanie Feldstein on the podcast and she had nothing but the highest praise for Bet, saying she it was like thank you five but everyone went to sit down and Bet was still up doing her her blocking her dancing whatever she needed to do it was like she was like she was an incredible leader so that is so cool to hear 
she was i mean if she asked me to run into traffic right now i'd probably do it because i just have oh. so so much respect for that woman right and the work that she does and what she asks of, of herself and her co-stars um i will never forget i understudied ambrose later yes run, and um the very first time i went on the show opens with the two of them um it's basically him running out and shouting Mrs. Levi a whole bunch of times and they're supposed to get the train and it's just the two of them. Um, and I was terrified that she wanted to no. rehearse with me. She wanted to rehearse with me before a half hour. Oh. And I'm not, I'm not kidding with you. She had done the show for months at this point and she knew me from the ensemble, but like we had only done our numbers together. Um, I have right. never, I have never received more eye contact from a scene partner. <laughs> Then I did oh. that. She was just so there with me at all times. And then, of course, she was so gracious. Whenever an understudy would go on, she'd give them the final bow. I mean, the woman, uh, as oh, Beanie wow. said, I have nothing but the utmost respect for her and the work she does. There was a, we had celebrated her birthday on stage one day, and we had this <gasps> massive cake. No sure way. Came down, and the first thing out of her mouth was, let's cut this up and give it to people at the stage door. That's just always oh where her head was. That's always where her head was. We had to stop the show for technical difficulties. She's like, you want me to go out and sing for the audience? <gasps> she was the greatest. Oh, I cannot oh sing her God. praise enough. And what's more is that was every single principal on that show. They were the most selfless giving people. David Hyde Pierce oh. is the nicest man in show business. Yes. Unquestionably, nicest man in show business. Um, Gavin Creel, Kate Baldwin, Beanie Feldstein, Taylor, and then when Charlie, oh my God, everyone Taylor. was the kindest. Um, and a lot of them could have had egos. Those are some big stars, big names who have done a lot of right. great stuff. But everyone realized how special the moment was. And even Bet got to that point. She hadn't done uh, Broadway musical since Fiddler. Mm. Um, she she told us on our very first day with her. She was you know so grateful. And we all wanted to work on this project. And we're like, are you kidding? We're lucky to be here. Um, right. But she said, you know, every last one of you, you're all better singers than me. You're all better dancers than me. None of no. you are funnier than I am. Was the uh, No way. <laughs> That's amazing. And she, and she said, but I'm just so grateful to be here. That being said, I haven't been on a Broadway stage that wasn't just by myself in 50 years. So if I turn to you and say, what are you doing on my stage? Just be patient. <laughs> Stop it. Did that and ever happen? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. 
Uh, no, we had been warned. We were like, you know, just be ready to play in the moment with that. But no, she was always right there with us. Even in the moments where like in the gypsy run or whatever, where she would forget her purse or drop a line or whatever. No, she was always, she was so in control of her performance and, uh. and what she could do with the audience that none of it mattered. But that was because she had put in so much work leading up to it. I mean, she right. knew that role backwards and forwards down to her pinkies. Beanie may have talked about this, but Beanie and I would always talk about how much we like to watch Bet's hands work mm. because there was life dripping through the ends of her fingertips. She was yeah. always so fully present, even through her fingertips, that <laughs> it was thrilling, thrilling I to watch and be part of every night. And she that... was just funny. She yeah. Was funny broad hilarious and like on stage her little one-liners were just the uh, it, everyone was like floored like yeah. everyone was blown away but at the same time falling on the floor laughing like literally it she was, was just also she was also one of the first people that i ever worked with who like i kind of especially she was a part a huge part of some of my favorite childhood movies yeah, she was the first time I was working with someone that I was almost starstruck, I guess. Mm. Um, but that just she she was never that person, you know. She was always so much about the work. Uh, there would be days when we would be rehearsing scenes, and she'd just shake it off, and she'd go, "Ooh, that was too winny," and we'd be like, "Do you mean Winifred Sanderson from Hocus Pocus? Because that was you. Stop that it. was you. That's was just a crazy. legend." And to get to watch her work, uh, <laughs> I it was again the the thrill of my career. Oh, that is legendary! So legendary. freaking cool. Yeah, I have to ask, like, hello, Dolly, man. Like, it's no joke. Like, going from Finding Neverland to how physically demanding that show is to then Hello, Dolly, like almost right away. Like both of those shows, I mean those numbers in hello dolly are not easy at all and they're huge and they're long so like yeah. what did you do like how do you keep yourself like in shape and making sure that there's no injuries and all of that like that's a really great question because i have found that with each show i do i have to modify my like training and stretching regimen sure uh completely um and when I was doing Hello Dolly, I actually was taking a lot of CrossFit classes um, oh. just because of how athletic the show was. Um, right. so while, while, yes, the Act 2 numbers were incredibly demanding, and they were, um, there was even stuff like I ended the number before the parade passes by with Jessica Lee Golden sitting one-handed. Yes. And I would walk around the passerelle and then do a turn with her sitting on my hand, pressed over my shoulder the whole time. That was not anything my shoulder was ready um, for before I had gotten to do the boy lifts and Finding Neverland with you guys. No and way. So it's things like that that they accumulate. And you're like, okay, I have this skill set and this weird thing that I had to do in a show before, but now I can apply it here. But now I'm going right. to have to do it differently. I'm going to have to strengthen the shoulder with some stabilizing and some handstands. So that's why I led to a lot of CrossFit on that show. No way. Um, we also, I mean, those waiters gallops were absurd. Oh, my God. There was Literally. one 
there was one section where I had about two counts of eight to go down stage center and then run all the way around the back of the stage, run up the back staircases and end up on the banister to slide right back down the stairs. So just the athleticism of it alone required more than just your average dance classes. Um, and that's when CrossFit really became helpful for me on that show, just for my stamina alone. The, act, the way Act 2 is structured in Dolly is the, the principles start with elegance, and then it immediately goes into the waiter's gallop. And while there's like six or I think there's seven variations on the waiter's gallop that we did, um, but there's only about, you know, this much dialogue in between each and every one of them. And mm -hmm. I was in all, all but one variation of the waiter's gallops. So you do all of that, which total time is about 10 minutes. And then you've only got two pages of dialogue to change your costume and come back on for the six and a half minute title production number, Hello Dolly, with its own reprise, which then you go off stage and change into a, a wool tuxedo to do the polka. So right. to just stamina alone of that show for the gentleman is was very Ugh. taxing. We had a lot of fans backstage, ice packs. It was not infrequent for the gentlemen to be standing, sweating in just their uh, tuxedo shirts with crop straps and not much else. Oh my God. That's, it was, it was, I can't it was imagine. Very hot. It was a very yeah. hot show. Lots of, lots of wool, lots of three-piece suits, beautiful oh costumes, don't get me wrong. But uh, no, oh again, my God. you didn't want to be standing on stage for the courtroom scene if you didn't have to be. Nope. <laughs> I understandable. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah. Oh my god. I can't yeah. imagine. That show was literally maybe the most colorful show that I've ever seen. <laughs> like yeah. literally like between Bet's dress, Beanie's dress, the blue suits that were in it, Taylor's suit, like yeah. everyone had a different well, color. It was almost like Mary Poppins. Costumes. Yes, yeah. very Mary Poppins. Yeah. Yes. Um it was, it, but that was the thing. It's like the costumes were probably hotter than they needed to be. But again, we all recognized the moment. We were like, right. when are you going to get to wear costumes this beautiful on stage with Bette Midler ever again? When are you going to get to ride this train across the stage ever again? Yes. We oh all, my God. It was every moment was like, okay, I can make this little sacrifice because I can recognize the greatness of the whole. Right. Ah, so freaking it was amazing. cool. Yeah, it yes. was worth every bit of it. Every bit. And you were you were with it the whole run, right? I left for two months when the Share Show had their out of town tryout in Chicago. And then the day before we headed back to New York after Share, I had a phone call from our company manager at Hello Dolly because my replacement had torn his ACL. So then I got oh. to go back in for the last six weeks when Bet and David came back and close out the show before we started our New York run of the share show. Oh my God. Wait, so did you special. ever do the show with Victor Garber? I sure did. Oh I my did, God. Yeah, his first like four or five months. He was I'm so lovely. Obsessed. <laughs> he, he and David, they were so sweet. They just loved, especially because they come from a history of yes. stage work. They have such. Uh, regard and respect what we do um i'll never forget the first day that we did the title number of hello dolly with victor in the room he'd seen oh, the really? show a number of times but just like it was almost like he was fangirling over us 
Oh my um, God. He just kept coming up to us and complimenting us on the number over and over again. And it was, it was so sweet. It, it reminded me of a moment that we had, I had with David in our initial rehearsals. Um, we were rehearsing downtown um, off of Union Square at a place that used to rehearse a lot of Broadway shows, but it was kind of out of the way for our show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just the two of us in the elevator one day. Um, and I remembered that he wasn't called until 10.30 that morning. It was about 9.45 and he was there. We're riding the elevator up. How are you? How's your day? Did you have a great evening yesterday? And then I said to him, David, I didn't think you were called this early. What are you doing here? And he just looked at me and as earnestly as could be said, well, you're hurt rehearsing Broadway choreography this morning, aren't you? I have the opportunity to be in the room for that. Why would I miss oh, that? No and he way. would just come sit and watch our choreography rehearsals. Wow. These people, I mean, as big of stars as they were, they were right. so generous and just like all of us felt so lucky to be in the room. It wow. made for the greatest, the greatest experience. That that's that's pretty incredible. I mean, like it seems like I mean it's easy for like us to say, like, you, you know, we really get to understand like we're so thankful to be in the room with these people and all of that, but they like understand the bigger picture of just like, yeah. Oh, like, you know, this could be my last time on stage and this could be, uh, and then I'm going to go do another movie or <laughs> like whatnot. Um, yeah. and then like, and then just the or fact even, that and even moments like, um, David would stand off stage left and watch us do the title number every day. He, he would come on, at the end of the reprise, but you know, he could have been with this dress for getting water, but he would watch it every day because no matter what we achieve, what success we arrive at, I do think that especially for us theater kids, there's still that part of us that is kind of willing to pinch ourselves to believe that oh, we're yeah. still there. And I think that was genuinely that moment for him each night. You know, he, yeah. he got to drink that in and with all of his success, it was still a, a special uh, treat to be in that moment. Totally. And, you know, Broadway's hard. So, like, it's hard. he, like, it's he hard. gets it, you know? Like, he's like, this. I appreciate this, you know? Like, exactly. everyone can take a step back. And I feel like, as, like, for me, like, I never understood that until I haven't worked in three years. <laughs> so, like, you know, like, you then you get to reflect and you're like, wow, like, that is so cool. Like, I was on Maybe a Broadway stage. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like you don't get, you don't get it. Like when you're in the moment, you're kind of just like worried about like telling the story and me and having fun with who you're with and everything. And you're living in the moment really. And then afterwards you're like, wow, like that's something really, really cool that I just did. Yeah. You know, it is, I mean, we work so hard at it. And when you're, yeah. when you're in it, sometimes it is difficult to see the forest or the trees. You're oh, rehearsing yeah. all day and then you're performing and then you've got to you know rest up for what is another long slog the next day. It's not always easy to reflect in, in the moment. Sometimes mm -hmm. it does take that distance. There's hardly really ever time it. to reflect. There's not. There's <laughs> there's just not so like it, you really have to wait until afterwards. I want to talk to you about the share show because okay. I want to talk to you about the share show for a lot of reasons. First of all, okay. Tewix as share, come on. Um, yes, Tewix as share. I I'm so so mad to like say this right now. I never got to see the share show. It's okay. We only ran for what nine ten months. 
Well, was, that was the problem. Exactly. So if it was a little longer, I would have been done with Trevor and I would have been able to see you guys. So I was in Chicago and you guys had just left Chicago, basically. Just left. You yeah. know, like, it's like, ugh, we just Sorry missed. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It was planned, I'm sure. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but honestly, like, I want to talk to you. I don't even know if I should talk to you about the show first or if I should talk to you about your gypsy robe moment because oh, you were, I want to, okay. let's talk about that because you got to wear the gypsy robe. First of all, explain to everyone what kind of that is, how that works. And then tell me about what that moment was like for you. Okay. So uh, the gypsy robe, which uh, has since been changed to the legacy robe is a huge Broadway backstage tradition. I want to say it started around the show Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, somewhere mm. in there. I think I think I might be close on that. Um, and basically, it is uh, an honor to be presented to the individual in the ensemble who has the most Broadway ensemble credits. Um, mm -hmm. It is just kind of a way to honor what we, or at least used to think of as the unsung heroes of the Broadway shows. You know, they're not going to be nominated for Tony Awards. They're not going to get above title billing, but they're the workhorses, the people who have put in the time and have supported a lot of Broadway shows um, along their way. Uh, so it's a real honor. You know, the people who have gotten it are people who have made incredible careers out of uh, performing on Broadway. Uh, you know, I have friends who got it. Our, the woman who got it on Hello, Dolly. I think Hello, Dolly was like her 13th Broadway show when she got it on that. Oh, and so my just God. to know that the history that they bring with them and then when you get the great honor of being named as well to be a part of that history is it was right it was a it was a very flattering moment uh for me yes uh I, I was truly honored but then of course once you are announced as the legacy road recipient there are plenty of superstitions that you have to uh follow through with so that you don't jinx the production so you then run around the stage three times counterclockwise so that everyone in the company can hit your hand uh high five or touch the robe and then mm -hmm. you have to visit every dressing room while wearing the robe and bless the theater um, with the legacy robe then you also get the great honor of handing on the uh, legacy robe to oh. the next recipient at the next opening night which for me uh, i had really good luck because i got to give it to erica mansfield who we did finding yeah. that with Yes. Um, when Kiss Me Kate opened. Um, oh my God. That also was so special to be able to give it to someone who I have worked with, who I love so very much. Um, and it was her first time receiving it as well um, to pass that honor on to her. But the whole experience of it was really uh, something that I don't take for granted. Uh, it's that's super special. So cool. Again, like I said earlier, you know, so much of what I love about. What we do is the history of this business and why things are the way they are and it's moments like that that make you feel a part of that history right and that that's something that will stay with you forever too like oh, yeah. you know it's just such it's so incredible i mean all i mean every broadway show will stick with you forever but like that's like another moment and just to have that during share and everything 
Yeah, it's one of those things, you know, um, I have been at this a while now, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> making my business in the theater. And, you know, some things do sort of start to feel the same after a while. Um, not sure. in a bad way, but the, the novelty of things sort of starts to wear off. Um, but then it's little moments like that that you're like, oh, yeah, that's just another feather in my cap that when I look back on this time in 20 or 30 years, I'm going to really think fondly on on that opportunity. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. I love that so much. Okay. Okay, share. Share. So, share. Oh, my God. First of all, wow. <laughs> I mean, like, it's so cool that I don't know, like the fact that Cher was always like very um, hands on with the production and everything, I think was so, so cool to like, from a fan perspective, just be like during like seeing that and you can just be like more appreciative of the project and everything that goes with it. So like, how was that for you? And also talked, well, yeah, we'll start out with that. Um, Cher herself. Yeah, was a fascinating creature. <laughs> I only, I had limited interactions with her. Oh, okay, um, but but when when I did, they they were always funny little comical moments. I, I will never forget when we were um, developing the show. We did a four week lab uh, about a year before we took to Chicago. Sure, and we did. She came to one of our presentations, and they were like, "Share, will you speak to the group?" before we present your life story to you. And she's like, okay. So we're all in the room. She's like, okay, everybody gather around. Let's, um, let's circle up. And she kind of does this gesture. And so everyone like gathers as if they're gonna hold hands. And she goes, but let's not hold hands because I just met you. Oh. <laughs> and so oh. I was like, oh my gosh, we just offended Cher. But I was like, right. I the last year and a half working with Beth, like I, and they were very close friends. So like, I understand what that kind of energy is coming from. And it's not coming from a dark or dismissive place. It's coming from a protective place of a woman right. who's had to survive in her career for 50 years entirely by herself. So it was moments like that, that I found comical of like, oh yes, you are fascinating because of the way you've had to care for yourself, protect yourself, right. advance yourself over these many years. Um, when we, when the first time she came and saw the show in Chicago, she was sitting yes. right behind me. What <laughs> are you getting? She was sitting right behind me. And, um, she came in after the lights went out, she was wearing a hat. So nobody really knew she was there. I obviously knew she was there. And there was this one part in the show where Sonny and Cher were exchanging rings. Yeah. And there was, um, inscriptions. Uh, and the line was something about, I got inscribed on the inside of the ring. And from behind me, she goes, well, that's not how it happened. <laughs> she screamed it out? Screamed it, screamed it. Screamed oh, it. my God. Totally. For the whole audience to hear. Apparently, the inscription was on the outside of the ring and on the inside of the ring. So that was something <laughs> oh we had to fix for performances the next day. But it was just like, oh, this, this is what we're getting into. Yes. That's not how it happened. <laughs> oh my god that is iconic only share only share would be allowed to like do that you know it, it was uh it was a learning experience in that regard I've, yeah I've never i mean i've worked with plenty of celebrities but on stage with them but to have right. somebody of that uh star power 
uh, and that level of fame on the other side of the table has a completely different dimension to things. Right. See, see, that's what I want to know. Like when Diane came to see Pippin in Finding Neverland, it was like nerve wracking. Okay, like all you want to do is like make sure that like their vision is what it like was what I'm doing. So like, what was it like to like perform for the person that? the story is your that's the story that you're telling like it's literally it's not like she's like told you how to do it or anything like that but like it's she's lived it like how can i make it to that right it was it's tricky yeah it's tricky i if i'm gonna be totally frank i think bio musicals are probably best saved for once a person is no longer with us oh okay Um, and that is that is not any sort of criticism on, on share at all. I'm, I'm mm. speaking very broadly um, in general sure. because she did contribute a lot of really good stuff. But it was it was those moments like that, like she shouted out in Chicago. Well, that's not how it happened. Where the inscription of the ring was on the inside, the outside was not kind of the, the crux of that scene. Like that was not the important thing that necessarily needed the attention and focus on creating a really focused narrative. Sure. Um, and so there were a handful of moments like that along the way of like, okay, let's absolutely honor the experience um, and stay as true to it as possible. But also remember that we are trying to stage this mm. life um, and not everything is going to be to a T the way it was maybe experienced. Sure. Uh, we also went through a lot of incarnations of the lens with which we told that story. Oh. Um, there was there were certain concepts that used to be layered on it. Like when we were in our out-of-town tryout in Chicago, it was basically a show within a show, as if we were creating a variety show around Cher's life. Um, and then that got tossed out so as we were trying to sort through some of that, especially with her, the questions became, okay, how over the top and how um, exaggerated do we make some of these things in the attempt to make them feel like a very theatrical variety show? And then how do we refocus or pair them back to make them the honest moment that they actually were in this woman's life? Mm. Um, And sometimes those things weren't always agreeable. Yeah. Wow. That's and that crazy. made that was really an interesting learning experience to watch the creatives try and navigate of what course. they thought would be really good storytelling versus staying true to share and what she was really looking for. Right. Wow, that's fascinating. It was a lot. It was um again, I don't know that it would necessarily be by my first project to want to like hop back into creating that kind of world with somebody who is still so close to it right um hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I, I also find that, at least this is just for me, the best bio musicals are the ones that are told um, by antagonists. You know, we think of Avita oh. being told so well because we get Chase perspective. Sure. Hamilton is told so well because we get Burr's perspective. Mm. And when the person is the person that you're telling their story about is alive, you're not always granted the opportunities to share other people's perspectives on them. Wow. Yeah, totally. That, that totally makes sense. Oh my God. When you're a writer, Oh my God, what can't you do? Piano <laughs> writing, dance captain, everything. Oh Lord. I don't know that I'm going to make it that far, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but okay. Um, so your role in chair was a swing and you understudied some iconic people in, in the music industry. Um, so what was, First of all, what was the experience of being an offstage swing, okay, and not having to do it every night, and also just playing those roles? Um, being offstage on that show was uh, a lot of work. Because oh, yeah? that was one of those shows where, especially for the ensemble, the offstage work was almost more difficult than the onstage work. Very oh, wow. rarely did the ensemble get out there and perform a whole number, um, like we think of with traditional musicals. Um, if we did full versions of share songs, they were generally performed solely by the three ladies. Um, so we would often get out there and do like eight counts of eight of choreography, 12 counts of eight of choreography, and then you'd run off stage and have to change into another ridiculous, completely fabulous costume um, and move some set pieces around. So it was tough in the regard that it wasn't your standard musical um, as far as swinging and dance happening. A lot of work was required of like, okay, I moved this set piece here and then I don't even know how this quick change works because <laughs> he's the only person in the show who has this one costume and it's absurd. It's completely right. built for him. Um, there was a lot of trailing that I had to do mm. on that show. Um, it was also technically a very big show. Oh, I'm going to say this. It was uh, bigger than sometimes it physically needed to be because our main set pieces were these two um, folding walls, basically. And each wall was run by automation. And then on uh -huh. each wall, there were five panels each. And on one side was a mirrored side, and on the other side was all LED lights. So just the technical aspect of the show 
required a lot more specificity to keep people safe, to get people in the right light. Um, so that, while my dance captaining on Finding Neverland, a lot of the time felt like sharing the, the storytelling that we were doing. Share felt a lot more technical. Gotcha. I had to be a lot more, um, it was not so much, uh, okay, find this journey of how they get to hear and play in this world in this play. It had to be a lot more specific for no other reason just to keep people safe. So they didn't get a massive share angel wing in the eye. You know, it was, it was, it was a treacherous show. Yeah. Oh my God. We had, just... we had trap doors that were constantly going down. Just the technical aspect had to be super specific. Right. Wow. Jeez. That's intense. And you were, you were the dance captain there too, right? Mm-hmm. So you were teaching. Yeah. Oh my God. Hopefully yeah. not as many rehearsals um, as Neverland. There still seem to be quite a few rehearsals. Oh boy. Um, oh boy but yeah but not quite as many i i would say okay but yeah we, we still rehearse a lot <laughs> i'm oh waiting my for that God. show where i just like go in and do my two and a half hours a night and, and that's it but i don't think that's or or one anytime or soon one hey yes let's i would welcome a come from away <laughs> oh, okay. right right i think a lot of people would that and like a fun home be done in 90 thing? minutes yes exactly right we love that we do and trevor is kind of similar it's not like crazy it's josh prince choreography but it's not like it's like craziness like it's nothing like physically demanding which is beautiful um there are really nice things about that you know we all love to be a, a part of you know a show that looks like there's tons of money on stage but at the same time there's something like some of my favorite work that i did was on stage at chicago the musical where all we're doing is moving chairs around and that's just you know because it gives you the time and permission to really just focus on the storytelling yeah you're not so caught up in all of the technical elements which can be great um and really enhance the production or the viewing experience but when your job as the actor is just kind of focus on your job as an actor that can be really nice it's also there is a lot of beauty in simplicity because especially for an audience member like in neverland like there's still like my parents have seen it however many times like you know and like every time they're like oh i noticed this today and i noticed this and that's just because there's so many things happening where you can't catch everything you know like and you can't just focus on the storytelling because of everything visually that's happening, even from an audience perspective. Some people would would make the argument that in that world, uh, you know, you have to, they feel limited in their creativity. They feel Mm. the limitations that much more. Whereas I find the, the people that I respect the most creatively find that to be an opportunity as opposed to a hindrance. When they have to, narrow their scope it allows them to really be clear in their storytelling yeah it's wonderful so i i i totally i try to go to in chronicle uh chronological order um but i missed the chicago segment um let's talk about chicago okay if if what i've read is correct sometimes it's not you've had multiple stints in the show right 
Yeah, so I did about three years total over a four-year period. The first time I joined the show, I did it for just shy of two years. And then I left to go do the out-of-town tryout of the Nutty Professor, Marvin Hamilton's last musical. Sure. Um, And then he passed away during an out-of-town tryout, and the show never went anywhere. So as soon as I got back into town, um, a few weeks later, Chicago called, and they said, hey, would you be interested in coming back in as a medical replacement? So I went back for six months as a medical replacement. (laughs) Oh, those medical replacements. (laughs) You know. Um, and then left the show that time. And nine months later, they called and they said, hey, we have, a, we have an opening. So I went back for another year. So on oh and off, I did three years over a four-year period. But yeah, it was like 13 or 1,400 performances total. Oh, my God. That's insane. Okay, it is no. insane. And yet still, like, nothing compared to the people who have done it for 20 years. Right. But any day what... I was having a hard day, I would just look across the stage and see how engaged they were. Then I would have to pull it together. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I got it easy. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> right. I've been sat here um, for three years. Right. <laughs> yes. And not even all at once. You know, you got exactly. your breaks. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, but honestly, I, I have to ask because I mean, I don't I don't think I've had anyone on from like a Chicago and Phantom type show where it's been on Broadway since the Ice Age, you know? Like, so, so um, in a show like that, like, I know, like, typically, you know, when shows open, they don't really change. But, like, in a show like that, it has to change, right? Over... It has to. I, I yeah. Think. I mean, I'm that kind of person that believes if you if you hold on to a show too tight, you're, you're going to suffocate it. Right. Um, because you're going to be bringing in new talents um, who, who have, you know, their own strengths and weaknesses that they bring to the role, that the chemistry that they find with their co-stars is going to be different. Chicago is a great show in the regard that it allowed um, the breadth of each individual to inform the performances. Um, I don't think that can be any truer than the role of Billy Flynn. Um, mm. I saw I saw people, you know, like Chris Sieber play Billy Flynn. Yes. And then I saw people like Coleman Mingo play Billy Flynn. Yeah. Um, and their their takes on the role were completely different. You know, there were there was the more traditional sort of Jim Naughton interpretations, but then like I think of Coleman, and he he'd probably kill me for saying this, but like the way Coleman played Billy Flynn, and and pardon me on this, but he played Billy Flynn like a gay cocaine addict. Oh, and you, I would just sit back on stage and I'd be like, that is different. Right. But there is absolutely nothing in the script that Saying challenged any right. of that performance. And in fact, it made it a really, really interesting choice in playing that role. Then I wow. also got to see somebody like Christopher Fitzgerald play the role, who played it like <gasps> the ultimate hilarious. con man swindler. And right. because, because the creative team gave them permission, it allowed each of them to play the roles to the best of their ability and bring their unique talent to the production. Um, and I genuinely think it's why Chicago is still running to this day, because they trust the people that they hire enough and they trust the, the staging of the production enough 
to let people do the work and it's not, it's only going to help the show. It's not going to hurt. Um, I mean, I genuinely think fondly about Coleman's Billy Flynn. You know, it was night and day from anything I'd ever seen, but I was like, yeah, you, you, that makes perfect sense. It's like yeah. that um, revival of uh, Oklahoma that came out a couple of years ago, which I oh, sure. loved, 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 yes. loved. It was like, they didn't do anything that wasn't in the script. It was just not how any of us had experienced it before. But because right. they were able to mine those really unique moments, it left a, a different taste in your mouth with the exact Absolutely. same show without doing anything to change it or reorganize it or change words or meaning. No, it just Im imbued something different on it. Now, um, I have it, to say it enriched it that much more. Right. So I have to say my experience with Oklahoma was I had never seen the show before until that revival. And the way that, like, people were talking about, oh, like, Oklahoma's having a revival, here's what it's about kind of thing, it was, like, almost, like, seemed a little boring, you know? Like, yeah, and not, yeah. like, and, and not, like, in a bad way, but, like, to a, a what, 13-year-old at the time, like, it's not, like, something that I would want to go see. But sure. I saw it. And was like, whoa, that is not what they were describing to me. So absolutely. It, it, and yeah. it's totally like when you think of Pippin almost and what Diane did with the revival of that and making it a circus. Like when I had when I had auditioned for Pippin, I had found bootlegs of the original production and it was not as entertaining for a 11 year old to watch compared to that like it's incredible what how people can envision roles and shows in such different and but yet equally successful and equally uh and and making sure that the right story is being told at the same yeah. time you know yeah. it's just incredible chicago chicago was um a great show for me and that it taught me a lot of lessons Mm -hmm. so many lessons and that was kind of one of the biggest ones is that you just trust the work yeah. that you're doing um there was there was no place to hide in chicago there were no costumes to hide behind or something no. to hide behind you were just so exposed um and so when you see people who are so confident in the work that they are doing like somebody like coleman or chris fitzgerald and and even if they are doing it completely different than you're used to it gives you that permission structure to um know that you are enough and what you right. are bringing is unique um and can be used to enhance as opposed to be different right uh, it, it's it was very empowering to learn those lessons at chicago of like oh it's not everything that i thought musical theater was or should be this can yeah. be anything we want it to be um, so long as we are confident enough in ourselves and the material and the work we're doing on it. I love that. And you got to play. So each time you, did you each time you came into the show, were you playing different roles? Were you playing I did your... different tracks. So that my first track in the show was Aaron. I had to right. For a second. It was Aaron who plays Hanyak's attorney. Um, yes. Really, really not a great moment because Hanyak is like the heart center of that show. So right. To have to yell at yell at her all day was pretty 
pretty awful. Um, and then as my medical replacement, I came back to Sergeant Fogarty. But my last year in the show, I played the Spear Fosse in the overture and then became um, the jury for the corporate yes. team. And that was a dream. So that was true. your favorite. Yeah. Because oh, your face I mean, like, it was the best part. Uh, yeah. Your face kind you, of lit as up. You the know? Jury member, as the jury member uh, for that whole scene, it's just like you get to do slapstick comedy. And you get yes. to you have to play six members of the jury during the course of that scene, and you have to create a physical life as well as a way to wear this one stupid coat in six different ways that makes you complete and distinct characters. Um, and so it was just fun to get to play and have permission to be that outlandish in physical oh, yeah. comedy every night after doing like all this slinky fossey choreography and then to get to completely turn it up on its head to do some slapstick every night i loved it loved must have been that nyu training you know oh you know no, <laughs> oh I my just, god uh, it was it was a blast i, I really oh, loved that track that's amazing well ryan i mean we've done a whole two-act show today um <laughs> honestly i mean i don't want to take up any more of your time but this, this has, has been, been so nice everything. just to catch up with you let alone talk about you know these shows were so special to both of us and all of yes it's really really great oh my god well honestly like I hope people like will actually like watch this episode as opposed to listen to it on like podcasts because just the way that you are able to tell stories and like watching you like talk about it and just the passion behind your face and the smile like from ear to ear the past two hours has even been like more enjoyable than listening to the stories at times. That's, like it was that's very honestly, sweet. thank you. Uh, yes, I, I'm obsessed. Thanks. Like this I'm year so... has, I think this year has been for all of us yes raised a lot of questions and it, it i i can't tell you how, even, how many times i've thought back to that story about um jerry's axe telling us about the out-of-town tryout for hello dolly um it right. has been easy to feel like what we do over this past year is frivolous um and question the importance and value of what we do um, because it has been so removed from our lives. Um, but I genuinely think that it's more important than ever um, yes. what we do. And those of us who get to do it and, and tell stories and, and shape minds and hearts and emotions for a living are, are really fortunate. And we need the reminders more than ever that what we do is, is not frivolous, that art is life. We get to engage in it on a daily basis yeah absolutely so what's next like do you have your eyes set on anything well i was working on a, a project uh at encores i was getting to do my first encores concert love life actually with kate baldwin and, and oh my god yes. mitchell right as we right as the shutdown happened so right it would be really nice if we got to pick that one up and present yeah. it because that show is so unique and is never done um, the show hasn't been done in New York since its original production and there was wow. never a cast recording made of the show because the musicians were on strike when the show happened so it would just kind of be nice to make that happen um, and then hopefully in the next few weeks or months there will be another announcement on something a little more long term that will oh. get me back, will get me See, back to Broadway and, and 
play with some friends again. I love that because I am very careful about who I ask that question to because it's a sensitive topic. And well, it is a sensitive topic, but also it's a sensitive topic anytime, but especially right. after the uncertainty of the last year and a half, I think exactly is a little more trepidatious with how much they say, but hopefully we all get to celebrate each other and um, amazing opportunities very soon very oh. soon <laughs> i love it i'm so excited yeah. oh my gosh this is everything ryan you belong on the stage no joke and i cannot wait to see you because i know i will sometime soon um well hopefully uh, yeah. we get to share a stage together again soon that would be a dream I... it would be and and I'll be in your on in your ensemble dressing and, and dressing room and everything now because I'm an adult so we Crazy. can share a dressing room right <laughs> right Lord. Um, oh but my Susie god Susie will still be your dresser we'll make Susie sure will still be my dresser I <laughs> that's in my contract now by the way Susie was my dresser on Finding Neverland for those who don't know um, but yes a gem literally everyone everyone we are so blessed and I, I am blessed we are all blessed everyone listening to your stories today this week this is probably going to be a two-parter actually so it's probably going to be for two weeks in a row sorry um, for the length folks Thanks oh my god it's us. everything <laughs> but yes i literally can't thank you enough it's been wonderful to catch up with you and i just thank you i mean honestly more soon it's so great to yes you, eli take care and thanks oh. for listening everybody Yes. Oh my gosh. See you, Ryan. Take care. Take a bow, Ryan Worsing. Oh my goodness. That wraps up the two-part episode and we will be hearing from a new guest next week. But honestly, how amazing are these stories? The stories about Bette Midler, the stories about Cher. I mean, it's literally the episode of the icons. Like, let's be real. We're just talking a bunch of icons just name dropping and speaking so highly, but also just talking about how much of a diva they are like it's just it's incredible and i'm here for every moment of it and i hope that you all enjoyed these fun stories uh from these last two episodes and of course every other one um but that being said i hope you all catch the drama dictionary word of the week it's gypsy robe and i was so excited that ryan actually gave us such a great in-depth uh description of it so i hope you all picked up on it and i thought like why not have like a little guest uh, do it this week if he did it so brilliantly during the interview? So uh, I figured it would be great and I figured it would be uh, useful. And of course, uh, who better to come from than someone who was able to uh, have that opportunity themselves and wear the gypsy robe and be able to carry on that tradition. So it's just a huge milestone as an actor and as a creator. And it's very very impressive and something that he will never forget and hopefully will be able to do soon uh because just because you got it once doesn't mean you can't get it again so uh ryan worsing you're the best i am so so happy that we were able to catch up and talk neverland last episode and also all of your amazing things since neverland in this episode i mean your stories literally his stories for days i mean the audition stories from last episode and even like this episode he had so many just iconic and hilarious stories that like leaves you just with a smile on your face and just remembering how beautiful broadway is just 
even uh, on stage and not just from an audience point of view and just how there's literally a show within a show in every show. Um, just like the backstage stories and show the stuff that goes on there. Like it's literally a whole another show going on while the show's going on. So um, it's just, it's another world. And I'm so glad to be able to be bringing that to you all every week. Um, and I hope, I hope you guys are enjoying it. And uh that being said, I cannot wait for next week because we have another great, great episode and it's with a very, very fun guest. I, one of my personal favorite actors and people that I've seen on Broadway and it was our first time meeting. So I'm very excited for you all to listen to it. And uh, he talks some about some great things. So uh, until then, I hope to see you all next week and uh, I hope everyone have a, has a great week. So thanks everyone. For this episode's Curtain Call, I would like to recognize a few people who also deserve to take a bow. This podcast would not be possible without the help from Dory Berenstein, Brittany Bigelow, Katie Rosen, Alan Seals, and the team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Next in line to take a bow is Tessie Tokash, who edits the audio and all the visuals for this podcast. A special thanks to patrons Brian Thompson, Pat McNamara, the listeners at PCC, as well as all of the other patrons for their continued support. If you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com tab. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, don't forget to subscribe on the platform that you're currently listening to this on. Also, feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at TakeAboutPodcast. TakeAbout's logo is designed by Giselle Bustos, and the music is by Nikki Torsha and Cormac Collinon. Bye, everyone. Hope to see you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.